Launch authorization received. Countdown sequence initiated. Three, two, one. Welcome to Truth Time, where you'll get a shot of the truth with no chaser. You're listening to Truth Time Radio on 1490 AM, the talk of Chattanooga, and 97.7 FM, Hot Country, Jackson, Ohio. And we're streaming coast to coast and around the world at truthtimeradio.com. And now your Truth Time host, Trey Searcy. Welcome to another Truth Time transmission. Today's Truth Time quote is from John Adams. When a man who is honestly mistaken hears the truth, he will either quit being mistaken or cease to be honest. We start out by recognizing another new listener, Toby. Toby's picking us up on Hot Country 97.7 FM, Jackson, Ohio. Last time we got together here on Truth Time, we discussed how that much of what the Apostle Paul wrote was information that was unsearchable. What does that mean? Well, you could read your Bible for the next three years with a magnifying glass, a compass, and your best coon dog. And you still won't find the revelation of the mystery, except in his own letters, Romans through Philemon. Paul said in Ephesians 3.8, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. So you can search through all the books prior to Paul's letters and all the books following his letters, but you're not going to find the unsearchable riches. Why not? Because they're not there. That's what makes them unsearchable. There are those who are so myopic, they can't recognize the truth even when it's right in front of them. They suffer from, uh, well, a lack of discernment. It's a spiritual defect in which things that should be clear appear blurred. It affects the spiritual eyes. But the good news is it's curable. That's where Truth Time comes in. That's what we here at Truth Time are eager to do. To make all humanity see what is the fellowship of the mystery. A body of mystery information that was hid in God before being revealed to and through the Apostle Paul. This message began to be revealed on the road to Damascus and continued in several subsequent meetings between he and the Lord. Ephesians 3, 8, and 9, Paul wrote the following, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints, in this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Grasping this is the key that will unlock your biblical understanding. 
In the spirit of Ephesians 3.9, as we continue to help our listeners to discover the fellowship of the mystery, I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, this verse is most often misunderstood, because it's taken out of its context. This verse has been taught as if Paul were describing heaven. Here, where Paul says, quote, things which God hath prepared for them that love him, end quote, is commonly taught to be referring to things that are waiting for us in heaven, but it's not. While it is true that when we get to heaven we will see things that eye hath not seen, and we'll hear things that, that's never been heard, but that's not what this verse is speaking of. And this is why that, as Bible students, we must keep things in their proper context. It's imperative that we stay within the parameter and the framework that has been set by God when studying His Word. You see, some will lift out a verse, will pull a verse out of its original context, and then try to make it fit where it doesn't belong. 1 Corinthians 2.9 is a good example of this. If you just read the next verse, the meaning becomes clear. Verse 10, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now in light of verse 10, we can be certain that Paul here is not speaking of things we, well, we'll finally understand in the good old sweet by and by. <laughs> no, the things that eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, the things that have never ever before entered into the heart of men, God has revealed. Hence the Romans 16.25 revelation of the mystery. God revealed this mystery information that had previously been hid, Ephesians 3.9, but now is made manifest, Colossians 1.26. So in this message of grace that the Lord Jesus from heaven revealed, we can study and find things that have never ever been revealed before, the things that God prepared for us that love Him. Those things that were once hid from ages and generations have now been revealed through the epistles of Paul. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, Paul says, We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. So even before Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost made a plan called the mystery, a plan that was purposely hid and kept secret. Why so secret? Well, the answer lies within the next verse. Verse 8 which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So you see, God made a secret mystery program that eye hath not seen, nor ear ever heard, and then he hid it. It was hid throughout all ages prior to him giving it to the Apostle Paul. But it's now revealed. It started with Paul and will continue to be revealed through faithful men and women who will commit to making all humanity see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Paul explains in 1 Corinthians 2.8 that if the secret concerning the dispensation of grace would have been known, Satan would have not had Christ crucified. He would have never entered into Judas in the first place. 
If he had known that God was going to hold back his day of vengeance and wrath, save Saul of Tarsus, give him mystery information concerning the free gift of salvation, and send him far hence unto the Gentiles, Satan would have not killed the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can't you just see him rejoicing while Christ was hanging there on the cross? Well, little did he know that when Israel rejected their Messiah, Jesus would then look up into heaven and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So this allowed God to give Israel another chance. Israel as a nation rejected Christ. However, God in his long suffering and mercy gives them yet another chance. This time he does it through the Holy Spirit. He pours out his Holy Spirit to the little flock on the day of Pentecost, the small remnant of believers there in Acts chapter 2. And during these early chapters of the book of Acts, all the way up to chapter 7, the Holy Spirit through the apostles was testifying to Israel. But what happened? Well, only a few thousand believed and received. As a nation, Israel rejected the Holy Spirit just like they had done Jesus. The final straw that broke the camel's back is recorded in Acts chapter 7. Let's think through this. Israel in the Old Testament had rejected God and murdered his prophets who testified of him. In the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Israel again rejected God and murdered his son who testified of him. And now in Acts chapter 7, which keep in mind is prior to Paul, they again rejected God and murdered Stephen, who also testified of him. This truth should jump off the page at you with just a cursory reading of the book of Acts chapter 7. Here Stephen, a man who, well, he had a face of an angel, Acts chapter 6 verse 15, and was a man full of the Holy Ghost, Acts chapter 7 verse 55, was murdered mob style by a vicious gang of unbelievers who rejected the Holy Ghost. So what do we have? Think about it. The rejection of God through the Old Testament prophets, strike one. The rejection of God through his New Testament son, strike two. The rejection of God through the early Acts offer of the Holy Ghost, strike three, and Israel's out. Now give special attention to Acts chapter 7 and verse 51. Listen here to Stephen as he gives his indictment to Israel. Listen to what he said. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Remember, during God's program with Israel, Jesus told them in Luke chapter 12, verse 10, that you can blaspheme the Son and still be forgiven. But there's no forgiveness for those who blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Okay, we're going to do a break, and when we come back, we'll compare Matthew chapter 20 with 1 Timothy chapter 2, and Matthew chapter 17 with Galatians chapter 6. Hey, it's truth time. Get your Bible, because there's no better time for truth than right now. Got a Bible question? Heaven with a best shot. Fire away. 
Call 706-861-0800 or toll-free 1-888-988-9562. Email us at truthtimeradio.com. back for more truth time telephone lines are open 24 hours a day at 1 988 look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7 in 1 Corinthians 2 7 Paul said we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery in other words it had been a secret up until now but not anymore the risen glorified Savior from heaven not Christ on earth during his ministry to Israel, but the Savior from heaven. After he made the payment for our sins, he then began to reveal the Ephesians 3-2 dispensation of the grace of God. This mystery that was kept secret was only to be revealed in due time. And guess who the Bible tells us the due time testifier was? You guessed it, the Apostle Paul was the due time testifier of our good news. Do a verse comparison with me for a moment. Get Matthew chapter 20 and 1 Timothy chapter 2. Matthew 20 and 1 Timothy chapter 2. First look at Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. Here, Jesus is still alive and has yet to go to the cross and die for anyone's sins. And remember, as we read earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, if anyone had known of this mystery information that Christ later revealed to Paul, if anyone had known it prior to his death, they would not have killed him. So with that in mind, listen to what Christ said. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life for a ransom for many, did you catch that? To give his life a ransom for many. Are you hearing this? Not only should you notice what Christ is saying here, but you should also notice what he is not saying here. Prior to the cross, prior to him going to heaven and revealing the revelation of the mystery to Paul, he says he gave his life, and I quote, a ransom for many. And please remember, this is prior, not after, but prior to him dying for the sins of all, not many, but all humanity. Compare what we just read to what he later reveals to Paul on the other side of the cross. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. Here Paul said that Christ gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. This mystery was kept secret and was only to be revealed in due time. And the Apostle Paul was selected 
to be the due time testifier of our good news. When was this mystery decided on? Huh? I mean, did Satan mess things up for God and then he had to quickly come up with plan B? Well, absolutely not. This was a plan before the world even began. It was a plan called the mystery, a plan that was purposely hid in God and kept secret. And just as the Bible plainly says, to anyone that will simply put away their preconceived notions and prejudice, the Bible plainly said that this plan was not to be revealed prior to the death of Christ. Why? Because if it had been, Satan would have not had him killed, and his death was a must, a necessity for our salvation. So unlike Peter and the Twelve, who went away sorrowful after Jesus tells them that he must die, we celebrate, we glory in the death of Jesus Christ. Compare the following. Get Matthew chapter 17 and Galatians chapter 6. Matthew chapter 17 and Galatians chapter 6. The Bible will begin to unlock and open up once you begin to compare scripture with scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth. Matthew chapter 17 verse 22. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men. Verse 23, And they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. You see, Christ told them of what must happen, and they were sorry about it. However, let's flip this coin. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. Here, Paul says, God forbid that I should glory, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what the twelve were sorry about is the only thing Paul says that he gloried about. So just how is it that you have missed all these biblical truths? How is it that I, for all those many years, missed these biblical truths? Truth time is here to send out a warning there's a religious satanic system that is apprehending folks left and right. Its influence is both pervasive and profound. Those involved are very duplicitous in their deception. The salvation message, this pure, simple, straightforward, and very candid message is being perverted. The salvation message that those of this religious system preach is do more, try harder, it's up to you, so get her done. It's nothing more than a self-improvement program. It's not the gospel. It's a look at me, look in the mirror, evaluate myself while I'm walking on the religious treadmill, self-help program that's designed to take the focus off of Jesus and the cross while putting the focus on yourself. Open your eyes, look around. You'll find many who are long on opinions, long on tradition, but short on truth. They very likely lack in rationalization skills. I've noticed that many tend to fall for collective rationalization. This isn't just in the churches, it's also in politics. They're group thinkers, members of a group that discount correction and give little thought to the consequences. They're married to their church denomination. They're married to their political party. They have their opinions etched in stone and when shown the truth, refuse to reconsider their assumptions. They basically have no clear rules for decision making. With them, it's, uh, well, a numbers game. 
they kind of think of it this way. If the majority says it's true, then uh, it must be true, while giving little thought to doing their own personal research. I mean, come on, did you not see all of those cars in the church parking lot? They must be teaching the truth. <laughs> if your decisions concerning biblical matters are being shaped by the groupthink mentality, then the probability of you being saved and coming to the knowledge of truth is very low. Religion will tell you that in order to be saved, you must follow a list of rules. This religious system teaches salvation as if it were a marathon. They'll have you jumping through hoops, running the hamster wheel, and, and hoping that at the end of your life, you've done enough to be pleasing to God. Understanding the importance of rightly dividing the word of truth will help you to break this cycle and get off the religious treadmill. Breaking this pattern will require commitment. Perhaps you need to create a new paradigm. Oh, it'll take some work, but it's well worth it. Breaking the shackles of bondage is intellectual. It begins in the mind. Stop assuming that there's only one way and that it's the way you've always done it. The way you've always believed. Truth does not hinge on whether or not you've ever heard it. Truth is truth and independent of whether you've ever heard it or not. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not, it's still truth. Some things you hear for the first time and mistake them for being something new. Hey, nothing's new just because it's the first time you've heard it. It may be new to you, but that doesn't make it a new concept. Not that long ago, it occurred to me how that I had missed all these things for all these many years. The Bible had said that Jesus, during his earthly ministry, did not teach my doctrine. At the time of his earthly ministry, he had only come unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And it was right there all along, in Matthew 15:24 and Romans 15:8. But for all those many years, I had missed it. The Bible had always said that Jesus appointed Paul to be my apostle, Romans 11:13 and that Jesus gave him my new doctrine, Acts chapter 17, verse 19. And for all those many years, I had missed it. The Bible had said that if you want to be saved today, it's by faith alone in Christ alone, Romans 3, 28, Romans 5, 1, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and Philippians 3, 9, and no longer faith plus works, Romans 11:6. But for all those many years, I simply missed it. The Bible had always said that there came a time when Jesus, through Paul, shut down the Great Commission, Galatians chapter 2, verse 9. And it was then at that time that Peter, James, and John's ministry was restricted to a nation, 1 Peter 2, 9, James 1, 1, and Galatians 2, 9. Unlike Paul, who had been given the Romans 1, 5 gospel to all nations, plural, and for all those years I had missed it. The Bible had said that all, A-double-L, all my sins had been, and not still being, but already been, forgiven at the cross. Colossians 2.13, Ephesians 1.7, and 2 Corinthians 5.19. But for all those many years, I had missed it. The Bible had said that a dispensation of the gospel was committed unto Paul. 1 Corinthians 9.17 and that Jesus gave Paul this dispensation of grace to give to me, 
Ephesians chapter 3 verse 2. But for all those many years, I had missed it. The Bible has always said that in this dispensation of grace, water baptism is no longer a part of the gospel that we are to preach today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 17. But we're to preach the one spirit, not water baptism that is found in 1 Corinthians 12 13. Spirit baptism and water baptism? Well, that equals two baptisms. But Ephesians chapter 4 verse 5 says there's only one baptism. But for all those many years, I had simply missed it. The Bible had also always said that no one prior to Paul, no one from Genesis to the Apostle Paul ever considered dying and going to heaven as an option. Nobody, not even one. Rather, when they died, they went to be with their fathers in a place called Abraham's bosom, or paradise, with hopes of one day being resurrected to live in a kingdom here on earth. However, it's only through Paul that we learn that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5.8. And it's only through Paul that we learn that we will be raised up and made to sit together in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. But for all those many years, I had simply missed it. And coming to grip with the fact that I had missed all these things for all these years was a very humbling experience. I had to break some new ground, and it's time you do the same. Don't just assume that it has to be the way that everyone else in the so-called inner sanctum does it. Don't just blindly follow the crowd. Find a new model. In fact, maybe you should be the new model. Perhaps your stand for truth will lead the ones you love and care about to find it also. One vital thing that will help you when going to the scriptures is understanding that outside of Paul's letters, God makes a distinction between Jew and Gentile. However, as a part of the revelation of the mystery that God gave to Paul in the books of Romans through Philemon, we now know that God no longer makes any such distinction between Jew and Gentile. Listen closely. Examine the evidence. In Ephesians 2.15, Paul wrote this, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain, one new man, so making peace. The word enmity means mutual hatred, mutual hatred or ill will. Those of the Jewish religion hated those of the Gentile religions, and vice versa. Well, as Paul said, that ill will was abolished. And we also see that the twain, which means two, has now been made the one new man, no longer two. You can search the Bible from beginning to end outside of Paul's epistles and you will not find this truth. This is mystery truth. The nomenclatures of Jew and Gentile today are of no value whatsoever. They're pointless. It's not either or, it's neither nor. In the body of Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. In time past, when Israel celebrated being the Isaiah chapter 60 risen nation, God did put a difference between the Jew and the Gentile. But now, Israel has stumbled and fallen, Romans 11:11, and salvation has come unto the Gentiles. You see, we have to stop thinking, understanding, and speaking as children tossed to and fro, 
and began to studiously appreciate God's word of truth rightly divided. God was thoughtful enough to create a study system that simplifies the Bible, making it possible for us to understand, yet many today totally ignore and disregard it. Letting the Bible define itself by comparing verses to one another is not only correct and more reliable, but it takes away from man's attempt to come up with their own private interpretation, which according to 2 Peter 1.20 is prohibited anyway. I'm Trey Searcy, and now you know the truth.